Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. Well, good morning, church family. Hope you're doing well today. Excited to, to uh, get after our 30 Days to Live Week 2 series. Last week, we began this series, which we're chasing this simple question. If you knew you had 30 days to live, what would be core priorities that would shape your decision-making, shape your life? And last week, we, uh, we went after that first one. The idea is once we see it and we get clarity on those, that we would let these priorities shape every day of our lives until the day God calls us home. And last week, the first one was to bask in the sunlight of God's love for us, his limitless, unfailing love. Out of Ephesians chapter 3, 16 to 21, where as Paul's praying for the, the Christ followers there in Ephesus, he, he's praying that they would have the power to just see it. How much God loves them in Christ, what he did for them, giving his son. And the love of God is not something that, that we receive every once in a while, but it's, it's the constant, it's the atmosphere, the sunlight in which we live. But the tendency is the enemy of our soul wants to, to shelter us from that, to think that God is not good, to, to doubt his love for us, and we live like a turtle on the bottom of the pond, and that text just calls us to swim up through the filtered rays of sunlight, climb up on the log, and bask in the sunlight of God's limitless love for you. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? And to rest in that and to let that be our constant in life. And I appreciated some of you sending the, uh, the pics this week of turtles basking on, on a log. That was awesome. I know we had some kids drawing some great pics, but Kevin Noe sent this one. We had some many tur- family of turtles. The next one was by Luke Roseboom, who was out at Twin Lakes Camp. And this is actually Twin Lakes. These are the turtles I was talking about last week. The Twin Lake turtles up on that log. Some of you going to camp might see those. And then... Uh, Jada Lane took it to a whole new level, and she went to Photoshop in with her brother's dragon, lizard dragon here, and uh, so not only is it a turtle, it's a dragon basking in the sunlight of, of God's love. But that was the picture. Now, core priority, as we come out of that, what's priority two? And today we're going to look at a text, which if you don't have a, a life verse, this could be your life, this is one of those. It just says so much, and we're just going to scratch the surface, but it is rich. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Paul's, this text wraps up really what Paul's been talking about, and we'll read it, and then we'll, we'll unpack it. Paul says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So priority two, the the core priority that, that emerges out of this text is simply this, to follow Jesus into a life of love. To follow him into a life of love. Now, I think most of us would would say, okay, I know that. But let's unpack this text to to get a, a visual on what God is calling us to here. He starts with the imperative, which is unique. He says, follow God's example. So our eyes are to be on him, and it's literally be an imitator. Imitate God's example. Be imitators of God, which is a pretty it's a, a high calling, but 
where God gives us an imperative, he also gives us his empowering through his spirit and through the encouragement that we need. And so he's saying, okay, move with God. Follow his example. And notice what he says, as dearly loved children. What's he saying right there? Stay on the log. Bask in the sunlight of his love. Remember, our capacity to go imitate God hinges on us basking in the light of his love or our identity. So before we we go imitating God, we must know what he's done for us so that we can imitate him. So really neat picture again. I was thinking this week of the, uh, actually last Sunday, someone handed me a note and they had written, a moment in their life where God just tra- transformed them. It was in their marriage, but he gave them the capacity to go love sacrificially. But before he did that, he took them, gave them the chance to go to Florida, and they're out on the beach just crying over their situation. And the Lord just whispered, watch the waves. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And then he said, he brought that text to mind, Ephesians 3, He said, do you know how big my love is for you? It's bigger than that ocean, and it's like those waves. It just keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming now. The way I love you, that's what I'm calling you to in this marriage. When you don't feel like loving your husband, your wife, go love like that. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And and the text goes on to say, and walk in the way of love, literally live in love. So it's not do loving things or like be a nice person, do good things. It's literally let love be the atmosphere with which you walk, what fuels you, what directs you. Walk in the way of love every step of our life. For the next 30 days into however many steps God gives us is to be fueled by love, directed by love so that we're growing in this and end goal that we would love with the purity of love that, that God loves us. So this year we've been praying, created me a pure heart. And a pure heart is a heart that wants one thing. An impure heart, impurity of heart is to want two things. It's a heart that's deluded with different motives. So the real goal God's calling us to is to love with his kind of purity of love. So now our prayer is this, Lord, create in me a love that's pure like your love. Where I got nothing but pure love flowing out of my heart. Isn't that an awesome prayer? As you think about your life, what if, as you did life with the people around you, family, work, community, as you see people, as you experience hurts, it's like, I got nothing but pure love. Here comes a little bitterness. You get hurt. You get mad. You want to harp drudge and hit back. Uh-uh, not here. Cleanse me, Lord. Purify my heart. I got nothing for you but pure love. How can you do that? I'm just imitating the one who loved me, right? That's the idea. Pure love. Now, Continuing to flesh this out, love is, how how does God describe it in 1 Corinthians 13? Okay, love, kind of vague term. Love is pursuing the good of another person regardless of their lovability. But what does that look like? What's the number one, first word he uses to describe love? Love is patient. Is anyone else living with someone who you wish that person would hurry up and get better in that area, right? (laughs) But what's God calling us to Pure patience. Why? Because we're going to need a lot of patience because we're all messed up. We're all in process. We're all toddlers doing our thing on the way to, to being fully devoted followers of Christ, right? Pure love. 
So that's the calling. He says, follow God's example. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Now, right here we're like, okay, sweet, got it. Let's go on to the next thing. But this is where we're going to, it's really important that, that we feel the weight of what he's calling us to right here because this is where it tends to be white noise, the next phrase that he, he gives us. As he says, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. To love like Christ means to deny self. Now, this is where there's some comfort as we watch Jesus live with his disciples. And three times as he's nearing the cross, he tells these guys, hey guys, we're going to go, I'm going to go suffer and die. And they're like, it's like static. And they're, they're like, what was that? couldn't hear it whoop right over their head like suffer and die Peter pulls him aside the first time remember that it's like Lord he, he rebukes Jesus not a good plan that's not what we were thinking when we joined your kingdom dream team the cross is, is like and what's Jesus say to him there in Mark chapter 8 verse 30 uh, roll it, 33 he turns to his disciples and he rebukes Peter and he says get behind me Satan he said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul. The reality is, is we pursue a life of love. There'll be lots of good moments. And generally, people love a loving person, right? But there will be moments when to go the way of love is going to be denying self and uh, taking up a cross. And here the moment, really, the question Jesus is asking is, are you following me? In those moments, are you following me? When surrender means, it means hurt, it means loss, it means maybe even life, but for sure our will. And we're praying, Lord, your will be done. In the moments of marriage when we want our will, moments of raising kids where it's just total, pure, pour out of yourself, moments at work putting others' needs above your needs, whatever that may look like, are we following Christ? Deny self. Did it sink into the disciples' heads? No, they're still, it's going over their heads. So Jesus comes back to the cross and the, the priority of, of denying self. Um, just not long after that in Mark chapter 10, as he says it again, he says, we're going up to Jerusalem, verse 33, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death, hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. He says this again, or, uh, pre, or and I'm sorry, I read, uh, I jumped ahead. At, <laughs> sorry, Joan, feel free to shout out. Actually, the second time he says it is in Mark 9, 31, where he, he says, I'm going to the cross. It goes right over their head. 
they go to a house in Capernaum, and Jesus asked them, what were you guys talking about on the road? They said, no, they didn't want to say because they were arguing over who was greatest. And verse 36, he took a child, or actually we'll go to verse 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and must be servant of all. And then he took a little child whom he had placed among them, Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent them. And again, he goes to the cross, so I'm, I'm headed to the cross, white noise, and what are they doing? They're arguing about who's the greatest, they're concerned about self, how do I elevate myself? And he's like, guys, here's what it looks like to follow me. You, you, greatness, keep pursuing greatness, but this is greatness. It's to become a servant of all. And by all, I mean, and he picks up this little child who in this culture had no capacity to repay them in any way. Who's the person in your life who can't repay you, doesn't have the means, doesn't have the social standing? We, we tend to, okay, I'll serve if they can serve back. I'll, I'll love if, if I'm going to get loved back in some way. And Jesus say, no, 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 no. The way that I love, you imitate me is you find the person in the room that can offer you nothing and you go be their slave. Go be their servant. That's pure love. That's the calling. If you've got 30 days to live, go love like that. And then he goes, and did the disciples get it? <laughs> it's still white noise in and static in their ears. And so Jesus said, okay, one more time. I'm gonna die. I love it how each time he says, I'm going to die, he says, I'm going to get a raise. I will rise again three days later. They didn't hear that either, but that's our truth, right? Suffer and then glory. Suffer, then glory. Today, these measly years we live on this runway to life at its very best, these are short. But this is prelude to what life will really be, and, and this is not where it's at. And we suffer here, but glory is coming. Now, is it okay to enjoy the gift of life here? Yes, and we do, and we enjoy the, the sweet gifts God has given us. But we know that uh, ultimately, if he calls us to walk away from every gift and simply lay down our life in a sacrificial way for somebody who can never repay us, we're in. Because I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Still not sinking into there. these guys. He says it one more time, and he gets specific. He says, they're going to reject me. They're going to mock me. These people are going to spit on me. They're going to flog me, and they're going to kill me. But I'm going to love them. Still doesn't sink in. And, Peter, and remember James and John, sons of thunder, right? And these guys, uh, you got to love these guys. When they, they were going... Earlier, they were going through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, hey, guys, go up to Samaria, get a place ready. And these guys come back. Samaria rejects them because they're, they're Jews. And they come back to Jesus. And uh, James and John are the guys like, Lord, do you want us to throw down lightning on these guys and thunder and blow them up? They rejected us. Let's blow them up. And Jesus is like, no. <laughs> this is the way of love, right? Well, we're not here to blow them up. We're here to... He's going to go give his life for him. Well, here they say, Lord, um, okay, in your glory, so they're getting an idea of what's coming, can we sit on your right and your left? Like, can we have the positions of honor and power when you get to glory? And I love what one guy says. 
We ask Jesus, or we ask God, can I sit on your right hand and your left hand? And what's Jesus ask us? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It's easier to, to control, to, to have power. We, we long for that, but where's it at? It's love. It's what he's calling us to. And in this text, again, he says, uh, he, he, so he calls them all together. We'll fast forward to verse 41 of, of chapter 10. And the rest of the disciples are mad, and Jesus says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to, to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And again, Jesus redirects their uh, pursuit of greatness, doesn't call them off pursuing great, but he redefines greatness, and he says, this is greatness. It's to follow me into a life of love where you are laying down your life, denying self for the people that will hurt you, flog you, mock you, whatever that may be. But this is what greatness looks like. I love the way the Lord points to, uh, points to him, or where in this text, it says, what's the focus of our life to be? It's Jesus Christ. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children, walking in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And you know the sweet reset button of life, I, I feel like daily, I don't know if you've, anytime we talk about pure love, I feel like that gap in my life, and maybe you feel this, is so big, and it can be discouraging, like I have such a long way to go daily, um, failing in this area. But our Lord just looks at us and says, hey, we're going to be failing until we hit heaven, just keep your eyes on me, follow me, follow me, follow me. And as we do, little by little, he purifies our love and, and he uses our lives for his glory. And so we say, okay, I've got it, I'm seeing it, but remind me again, why follow Jesus into a life of, of self-sacrificing love? Like, like, help me see it one more time before we leave this place. And we can list reason after reason throughout Scripture. It, it is just all over Scripture. You could roll back to Proverbs Chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, timeless truth, written by the guy who was gifted by God to be wise, Solomon. He's, a, uh, he's got all the experiences of a king. He's watched like life play out. Of all the guys to listen to, this would be one. And he's talking to his son, so he's not going to lead him astray. And listen to the intensity with which he says this. Solomon says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Like tattoo them to your soul. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. This stuff flat out works in life, right? That, that, that's reason enough. Inspired by God through this wise man. Win favor in the sight of God and of men. Go love. But this isn't the reason. There's another reason that's even better. Why follow Jesus into a life of love? I could give you the reason that this is to be the 
a core priority of our lives because if we lack it, we will waste our life. Remember 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul's telling these people this incredible truth that when you come to Christ in faith, you are supernaturally empowered with a gift to serve the body. But you can have the gift of gifts. You can be the communicator of communicators. You can be so generous that you lay down your, your life for the poor in a, in a way that you like, you're burned. You could have incredible intellect and knowledge and the capacity to learn things and help people understand things, whatever your spiritual gift, but if you lack love, that gift loses its power to help people. Your voice is just like a clanging pot and pan in people's ears. They don't want to hear you. Your knowledge is not going to listen to you. You're, you're good. It, it loses its power, but with love and little things done with great love, God uses those. That would be reason enough, right? So that we don't waste our life. But that's not the reason. Why follow Jesus into a life of love? I could give you the reason that this is to be our core priority and that it is the soul ethic the or, or the grand ethic under which all other rules, commands of God fall. Where Jesus gathers with his disciples in John 13, 34 and says, A new command I, I give you, love each other as I have loved you. And by this, the world will know that you're my disciples. What's our witness? Primary apologetic for the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done. It's our love for each other. Again, in Romans chapter four, or, uh, 13, I think it's verse 8, where he says, you know, let no debt remain outstanding among you except the continuing debt to love each other. Why? Because love summarizes all the other commands fall up under love. That would be reason enough, but it's not the reason. I could give you the reason that this must be a core priority and that it's what will keep us unified as, a, as families, but also as a church family to accomplish what God's called us to accomplish. Right now, we live in an increasingly divisive culture where everybody's tweeting opinions, everybody has an idea on debatable matters that threatens to, you can blow up a family. What's the enemy want to do in your family? Blow, you, blow it up, right? What's the enemy want to do to our church family? Blow it up. What's the enemy want to do to our country? Blow it up. Why? Because where there is division, a lack of peace, a lack of order, psh, people are hurting and the enemies win in the day. Darkness reigns. How in the world are we going to stay unified in a world that's becoming increasingly divisive? Love like Jesus, period. He says it into the church there in, in Romans chapter 14. They're arguing over debatable matters. Food offered to idols. You can't eat that meat, drink that wine. It was offered to an idol, says one Christian. Another question like, I don't care. God blessed all food. I'll drink, I'll eat. I'm good. And they're arguing about it, splitting up, fracturing. One Christian has a weak faith. They're struggling with, with um, and then the other has a stronger faith that allows them to eat, drink. And what's Paul saying in Romans chapter 14, 15? He says this. The question is not, is it right to eat or, you know, in debatable matters like the, the food and the drink, right or wrong. The question is, what's the loving thing to do to your brother and sister? And if eating that is going to hurt them, don't eat it, right? And if bringing up that, that topic is going to hurt somebody at the dinner table and fire up Uncle Fred and whole family goes away mad, don't bring it up, <laughs> right? Love is what holds us together. Well, that should be reason enough in that we treasure our families, communities, country, but that's not the reason to follow Jesus into a life of love. The reason, the reason 
is in this text. Last phrase of the text. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, up for us. Here it is. As a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is our worship. How do we say I love you back to the one who loved us with the love that we'll never measure, that we'll never be able to outrun? It's by loving each other the way he loved us. This is our thank you back to the one who's given us eternal life. This is our praise. This is our worship. This is bigger than singing. This is where the Father looks down and and it says a fragrant offering that's pleasing to him. Picture of the Old Testament, Levitical system of of, uh, these offerings, burnt offerings that would smell good. And it's just that picture of that we have the capacity as we live in relationship to God to bring him joy. And it's as we love those around us as he loved us. So, how do we live this out? And isn't it neat to think, what's God's primary intention for your life and for my life? It's really to create this love in us. And he's going to bring people into our lives to give us opportunities to live this out. But how do we do that? How do we live it out? And here are two practical action steps. The first is to to just be praying, Lord, create in me a, a pure love. So we look at this calling it. It feels impossible at times, and it just leads us back to our knees. And Lord, created me a pure heart, a pure love for the people around me. That when I feel that bitterness come in, and, or, or even judgmentalism, like the older we get, the more reasons we have to be judgmental of everybody, right? And you just feel that, like, say, like, no, man, I got nothing but love. Lord, take out every judgmental thought in my head, and when I see another human being, let my first thought be nothing but love. I got nothing but pure love for you, pure love. And when I get hurt, when I hit back, nothing but pure love for you. Why? Because it's how he loved me. When you're living in that sweet spot of pure love, do you feel, have you felt the joy of that? And Jesus is like, guys, this is, what I, this is the life that I've given you. It's life and it's joy. You get caught up in bitterness and judgmentalism and, and uh, hate and all that stuff. It just saps life. And that's where the enemy has a heyday with our soul But when we, we start to die. But our soul comes alive as we follow Jesus into a life of love. So we pray, Lord, create this in me. And then we can get caught in that no man's land of, am I a loving person? I don't know. You know what? I'm not a very loving person. I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. And God's like, no. And I love the way C.S. Lewis said it. Don't worry about whether or not you're a loving person. Just go love. (laughs) Go do something. John said, hey, don't love with words. Love with actions. And so just get out and start loving. Yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah, we all have a ways to go. But let's go love. Let's go love in the context of family and think about how can I make life better for someone in my family? Even if it's simple things, just put the toilet seat down or, you know, go, I don't know, do the dishes or check in or take a job. Someone or really be tuned in uh, to how's my wife, you know? What, what can I do to lift her load, lighten her load or, or your kid going through something or Parents, whatever it may be, but how can I love my family with the pure love? And then take it into our church family. You know, when we come on Sunday, yeah, we come limping in here needing hope and refueling, but also saying, Lord, I'm showing up in this place for one reason, with pure love, and uh, help me love somebody today. And then watch God do that. Pour his love through you, and 
Chad and his buddies, college guys, went down to Naples for spring break, and they went into this church on Sunday that was 100 people and definitely not a, uh, it was college-age demographic, primarily retired. They knew it when they drove in, and here's all these nice Mercedes and Cadillacs, whatever. When they go in, the people were so glad to see him. Different culture, but they just wrapped these guys up, had them stand up. What's your names? Share their names. And then um, halfway through the service, what impacted Chad was a sweet grandma slips him a 20 and says, go enjoy a good meal. And to a college student, that's not a good meal. That's like a week-long breakfast at Taco Bell. <laughs> but you know what? She walked in, pure love. Rather than saying, man, look at these young people out there dressed. Why don't they were all in suits and what have you, and these guys come in in their shorts and flip-flops. The, what's that? That's right, what I'm talking about. <laughs> Come as you are. Thank you, brother. <laughs> but, uh, but, and then as we go into small groups, just, you know, Lord, pure, pour your love to me, pure love. Love the uh, Rick Baker, Rick and Kathy, are, uh, their small group is hosting our dinner tonight for about 120 people coming to get better at putting Christ at the center of our marriage. And they said, we'll take dinner. We'll, we'll go do it. And then as we go out into our community, to uh, pure love. I love the picture. and I feel like preaching to the choir here. You guys are doing this. But uh, just to be his loving presence through what we enjoy doing as God takes you into your passions in life. I love the um, softball is one of the things we love to do as a church family. And Ellis Park will uh, fill up here in a couple weeks with softball. And what's the purpose of going down there to play softball together? It's this. It's to meet new friends hang out with old friends, but really it's just to, to love each other, to encourage each other, to let God's, his love flow through us. And, and as we do, it's testimony to a watching, those who are watching who may not know Christ. The other, and by the way, we only have, we're praying for over 100 people to sign up for softball. We know we all wait till the last minute, but today's the last day. Sign up soon back. And uh, if you're wondering, should I play, should I not, should I not, hey, let's go love opportunity to hang out Sunday or uh, Sunday afternoons with friends and then the uh, another opportunity Matt and Heather Ludlow again are leading our uh, family fourth fest putting on kids games for our community the town came to us and this was an answer to prayer where they came to us and said could you help us with our all community uh, July 4th celebration and appreciate Matt and Heather and team said we're in holiday but we're going to set aside time to, to go do this, and I know they're building a team probably of about 30 people who would, uh, so if you feel the nudge to do that, opportunity to serve. Follow Jesus into a life of love. If we knew we had 30 days to live, I know um, for sure we'd have certain places that we'd want to go eat. I just heard a family here from uh, right nor near uh, North uh, Perillo's Pizza, I know, would be on my list for several of those days. Most of us would think, you know, I'm going to quit my job, right, and, and go. But what's core? That I would walk every step, every day, following Jesus into a life of love. And if he calls me to eat rice and beans every day, calls me to not just keep my job, but actually do the worst position in my job, I'm in. I'm in. Because what he's called me to is to imitate him, to love those around me as he has loved us. Amen.
Let's pray, and as I pray, Rick Baker can come on up. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this text. Thank you for this opportunity just to gather with our faith family and encourage one another. You have been so good to us, Lord, and we just, uh, we can't thank you enough for the gift of life and the blessings of this life. Thank you for your word to us today that just energizes our soul to do what you've called us to do, all for your glory and for our joy and the joy of those around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.